0: According to Barna, 51% of all church-going Americans are unfamiliar with the term, the Great Commission. Let's change the stat.
1: Welcome
2: to GoCast, a podcast designed to inspire and equip pastors and leaders to lead soul-winning churches. We have a mission to go and make disciples. This is GoCast.
0: everyone, welcome to GoCast. I'm your host, Kelly Stickle, and I'm joined by my friend and co-host, Tim Tribble. Hey, Tim, how are you today? Oh, I'm great, Kelly. All right, let me ask you this question. All right. Have you ever had a subpar experience at a restaurant, a business? Oh, goodness. Anything that comes to mind?
1: Which one do you pick? <laughs> I think today, like today, in this day and age, excellence is so scarce. Um, yeah, we, my wife and I and my family were, were at a restaurant and we had ordered something off the menu. The waitress came back, said it wasn't exactly what we ordered, charged us for what we didn't order, and then uh, left our table with the debit machine at the end after paying and us taking our receipt because she didn't return. We went out to our car and she followed us out to our car and started yelling at us. No way. Definitely. Yeah. Like, like, like how does that even happen? So have you gone back to that restaurant? Yes. <laughs> You've
0: gone back to the restaurant <laughs> after that
1: experience? But she no longer works there. <laughs> I felt it was a one time experience. <laughs> that was not
0: a, the answer I was expecting, but that is that is fantastic. Why why did you go back? The food
1: is so good. Uh, okay, a special sauce.
0: All right. Yeah. Have you ever had a subpar church experience?
1: Oh my Yes, uh, we were on vacation with family. Uh, last Sunday, that preacher. Not last Sunday, no, no, no. Out on the coast, and we were we, we knew we had to go to church on Sunday because it's just something we as a family do, and we ended up finding this this one church that was out in the middle of nowhere, and we were a little bit late coming in, and uh, so as we entered, the person who was doing the hosting greeting was on her phone and staring at her phone and didn't even acknowledge that we were there. And as we walked in, they actually had the auditorium doors where you enter Uh, having it so that you're facing everybody who's facing the stage so everybody was already there and we as a strange couple not attending ever um, had walked in and everybody was staring at us while the I'm sorry to say terrible music was going on (laughs) and so it was kind of one of those one of those um, twilight moments where everything slows down and you don't really feel like you're there but you actually are and it was just super awkward. Would you go back? No.
0: Okay. So today my conversation is with Pastor Joshua Bingle from Spokane, Washington. And in the conversation, he brought up an amazing scripture. I don't know if I've ever kind of paid attention to the scripture before. Hmm. It's 2 Corinthians 6, uh, verse 3 and 4 in the Message Bible. And it says that our work will be validated by the details. So good. I mean, I never really saw that before. Our work will be validated by the details. The Apostle Paul writing to the church in Corinth, and it actually says in the Message Bible, I love this, it says, don't be late. (laughs) (laughs) Can you say that in church? Can you say that in church? (laughs) I mean, wouldn't this be amazing? Don't be late. And he says, because then he says, because people are watching us. And in particular, he's talking about the unchurched watching us. And so it's amazing. Uh, scripture, I'd never really saw it before. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be using that, I think, uh, a lot as as a pastor. (laughs) But Josh brings up this amazing idea that excellence is a form of evangelism. And it's a fascinating conversation I can't wait to share with all of you. So here's my conversation with Pastor Joshua Bingle from Spokane, Washington. Hey Josh, welcome to GoCast, my friend. It is great to have you on the program. Hope you're doing well today.
2: Yeah, man, it's great to be here. I'm honored.
0: Yeah, it's great. So, I just to get to know a little bit about about you and so our listeners can get a little know a little bit about who you are and, and how did you get started in in ministry? How did you get to this pastoring gig anyway?
2: Yeah, man, I uh I grew up in a pastor's family, I'm a pastor's kid. Shout out PKs across the world. Yeah, yeah. Um which, uh, made me not want to go into ministry. Um, not because like my parents were terrible pastors. It's just, you see the underbelly of the church. And so I, um, I went to college and studied economics and I wanted to go live in a big city and crunch numbers in a tower and never talk to people. And, uh, (laughs) I came out of college and I was working in the finance industry. And, um, at 25, when um, I planted Genesis Church and it was honestly, um, I would say it was like it was just, I didn't want to regret not trying. Like I remember thinking, um, I just kept feeling the pull toward ministry, which is not something I desired. So it made me think maybe God's in this. Um, and I just remember thinking if I go plant a church and God lets me do it until I retire, um, I'll never wonder what life would have been like if I stayed in finance world. But right. if I stay in finance world and and never try this, I think I will always wonder what life would have been like if I, if I had followed what I believe was the voice of God. And so, wow, um, that's so good. I just think fear is far more harmful than failure. And so I just, I didn't want to be afraid. So 25 years old, we uh rented a strip mall and, We've been at it nine years now.
0: Wow. That's awesome. And so Genesis Church is located in Spokane, Washington. Tell us a little bit about the about the church you planted. Nine years old. Tell us about uh the journey.
2: Yeah, I mean it's it's been wild. We when we planted the church, like I did I had never even heard that word, like church planter. Like I know church planting organizations existed and there were all these strategies, but like I was just a twenty-five-year-old punk with a dream and I just knew that we could build a church like this. So we rented a 2,500 square foot strip mall wow. space in a strip mall. We could see like 60 people and, um, the, um, our, our rent was 1500 a month and the church paid me 500 a month and I valeted cars downtown to pay bills. And so the first three years was bi-vocational like that. And, wow. uh Yeah, we so we were in that space actually for five years. Um, We saved up a bunch of money and um, renovated it and added another suite uh, next to it so we could have like childcare and stuff. It was awesome.
0: Yeah,
2: and uh, (laughs) and once we renovated it, like you know, we 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 paid cash for it. We just saved money over the years and did it, and then like we could see like a hundred people, and I was like, no way will we ever like we'll be here for so long. It was just like full. Boom. Um, so five years in, we bought the building that we currently are in, which is, uh, it was a concert hall, event center, coffee shop, office space, and, um, just a huge blessing and miracle. And so we've been here four years. Wow. And, um, God's just been, God's been faithful. I've found, like I'm sure you have probably like 10,000 ways to run your church into the ground, but, God's been real faithful and hasn't let us do it
0: yet. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I started I started pastoring at uh, age 23, so I feel Ooh. your pain. Started yeah, of 25. So man, yeah, it we all the mistakes we make oh, right away. Oh, oh.
2: <laughs> also, if you're listening and you're 25, don't go plant a church. Ask yeah. a bunch of people first.
0: I concur with that. <laughs> don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> so the church, I mean, you started with uh, how many did you start with when you when you planted the church?
2: Um I think our first weekend, again, I was so bad at it. We didn't track numbers. We just kind of like looked and so we could see like 60 some and it was like over full. Like we had people standing and like, um, my dad having been in ministry for so long farmed a bunch of his relationships and so people flew in for it and all this, like it was awesome, but it was not me. It was like totally riding my dad's coattails and, um, and, So I would guess it was, you know, 80 or so. Yeah. And then within a month, we just like, we just, I grew the church to like 30 people and and we just stayed there forever. Yeah. I couldn't figure out why people didn't want to come to our church. Like we could just drink a lot of Red Bull and yell really loud. Like we're going to save the city. And turns out that's not how you build a church. So.
0: Well, things are rocking and rolling now and and I, I know you're passionate about about uh, the church being an outreach focused church and and winning souls and reaching the lost which is why I was so excited to talk to you on the program. So how how many just for example, how many baptisms did your your church have uh, in the last year?
2: Last year for us, we baptized 68 people, wow. um which for us was more than we had ever done in a year. Um our, like our, to give you context, like our weekend attendance right now, we're in the summer, like our quarterly rolling average attendance is like 350. Yeah. Um, the spring, it was like 450, but the, that 350 represents we're up 28% year over year last
0: year. So good. Um,
2: so those, that 68 for us was like a number to celebrate. Some people, you know, do 68 in a weekend and praise God for it. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, but for us, that was just like, are you kidding? Like what is god doing in this place um it's just great we're we're really near um we're about a mile away from university yeah we have a lot of uh, college students um, who yeah getting baptized and um
0: that's a big deal that's a big step that's a big deal
2: yeah we just this last weekend we just had a baptism sunday and five we just celebrate five people getting in the water and um and i cry every time man so good. You think, you think at some point you're going to be like, Oh, it's a baptism, but every single one is like somebody's story of life change. And you're just like, gosh, yeah, so honored to be at the table for what God is doing uh, in our city.
0: Yeah. So tell, tell me about someone in your church, their life story, how, how their life miraculously changed when they became born again in, in your church.
2: Yeah, man, actually I just had coffee with a guy yesterday and, um, he, he has been attending our church for probably about a year, I think. And he's like the most high energy guy, like serial entrepreneur. He owns like, he told me yesterday, he owns like nine companies. And, wow, you know, I, he said like six of them are profitable, which that's a, it's a pretty good that's, amount. Yeah, he's that's like, good. One of them's like, he's importing cars and like, you know, he sells, he's like got a food distributorship and all this stuff. He's super high energy guy. And, um, he was like before, his friends invited him here like he just thought, you know, Christianity was just, you know, a bunch of wackos and very much uh, if you can't measure it, it doesn't exist type guy. And um, just kept showing up with his friends and God just got a hold of his life. And he is the most like on fire, dude. You know, people's personalities are just like enhanced by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Like he is the way he was and still is about business and and is just Amplified even that much more, um, just telling people about Jesus and hungry for the word. He called me or he messaged me on Instagram. He was like, Hey, pastor, I'd love to, you know, chat with you about some scripture. And I'm like, dude, let's do it. And he was just like, just hungry, man. Um, which was awesome. This I, just actually this last uh, Sunday when we did baptisms, another young man, um, who's in a drug, drug recovery program, um, there's a guy in our church who's almost through that program. And so he just invited people all the time. And um, we just had one of his friends show up with him and get baptized on Sunday. And his, his grandparents were there. They showed up. And um, I didn't know it was his grandparents. I'm like, oh, it's cool. His parents came. And then they told me, they're like, no, that's his grandparents, man. Like his He was four. His dad was killed in a drug deal. Oh. And then mom um, abandoned him and his siblings. So he was raised by his grandparents and his grandparents are just up there on stage with him, just like hands raised praising wow. God as he's out of the water. And like, wow. dude, that's the thing. Like you gotta, I don't know. You gotta get addicted to <laughs> those stories and those moments.
0: Oh man.
2: If you can be a soul winning church, just, just make a big deal about baptisms and it just light a fire so in your heart.
0: That's so true. That that's amazing. I, I had, uh, one of my mentors, um, Jack Weitzel, he pastored in San Francisco, a big church there. Um, yeah, do you know Jack? I'm sure you do. From that
2: day, my parents, I met him through them.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's wild. Yeah, he's he's uh, he's gone and home with Jesus now. But yeah. he said he told me way back when he said he said the, one of the best ways to reach souls is is baptism Sunday because they they bring their family, they bring a whole bunch of people, and they said it's one of the best ways to grow a church is baptism Sunday and make a big deal out of it, celebrate it. Uh, it's a big deal. So that's cool. I mean, those kind of stories, man, those are so addictive, aren't they? That's why we do what we do.
2: <laughs> yeah. Something for us that we did too, that we just started making every third Sunday of of the month is Baptism Sunday.
0: Yeah. Oh, good. So,
2: so the team knows it. The church knows it. You know, sign-ups are coming. And sometimes we don't have people sign up. Like, you know, across our services, we do, we just don't always... But still, like someone on our team really championed this, that we roll the baptismal out because ours is like a yeah. horse trough on wheels that we made look nice, you know? Yeah. And uh, so they roll it out, whether people are signed up or not. And we just use the verbiage, like we we are going to worship through this moment, believing God for the people that are getting that water in the future, just believing by faith. But also, today might be your day. Maybe you weren't signed up, but like, you know, the team has all the shirts, shorts, towels, all that stuff. Yeah just this last week, our first gathering, nobody was signed up. And a, and a gentleman just decided in that moment, "I'm today's my day, like I'm going public. And, so and those moments like that, where the church gets to see momentum and life change um, is just, it really shifts their focus outward into the community. And they start learning, you know, this is what we do. This is what it is. And
0: Yeah, that's really good. That's such, that's a great point. So that, I mean, that's, that's using spontaneous baptisms as well, which man, those are, those are amazing. The planned ones are great, but the spontaneous ones too, there's something, it's like a revival breaks out in the church almost.
2: (laughs) Yes, it is. And usually what happens is like one person will, will make the decision and a few other people are like, man, I have to, like, I can't not. And then we've had stories of people like yeah, after the last three months I've wanted to, but then like I get scared and so I just put my name down. Yeah. Finally, like, you know, uh I got in the water. I'm so glad that I did. And
0: yeah.
2: um 'cause yeah, it just creates so much momentum.
0: So good. Well, the second Easter I was here, I started when I eight years ago I, I uh started on Easter Sunday. The next the next Easter we did a spontaneous baptism and I've been preaching all year on being outreach focused church, but that was the first time we did. And we did a spontaneous one. I didn't tell anybody it wasn't planned. We just did spontaneous. We had no idea how many people were going to come out. And, and uh, we had 96 people come up and get baptized on that Sunday. It was crazy. And it was, the service went on, but that was the turning point. (laughs) That was the turning point in our, our, our church. I think in my opinion, anyway, for, for our church getting that revival of saying, man, we're doing this and this is exciting and people are crying and people started to buy into the vision. So, I mean, it does something for the people that are getting baptized, but it really does something for the church. That's, that's so good. So you guys do, whenever you talk about outreach and, and souls being saved and people being baptized, the number one question that always comes up is, well, how are you discipling them? Okay, so you're getting soul saved; they get baptized. But how are you discipling? How are you following through with the the drug a- drug addict that got saved? How do you do that? So you guys have something that's called uh, Growth Track. So h- how is uh, talk to me about that program and what it does?
2: Yeah, Growth Track. I mean, we just jacked it from ARC Association of Related Churches. Yeah, yeah. Like, we didn't plant through ARC, but we love ARC. We support ARC, and um, so we just stole it from them and tweaked it for our you know our purposes and um so it is part of our next steps Cross, give your life to jesus or you got baptized um that's where we're wanting people to start um and it just helps them you know follow jesus discover purpose connect the church and serve others it's it's the point of all of those things and so good um for us on the front end the way that we use growth track like we've had people give their life to jesus in growth track
0: you are awesome the,
2: the first session step one for us is we just preach the gospel. Like we ask the question, why Jesus? Like I'm a good person. I pay my taxes. I'm nice to my neighbor. My kids get good grades. Like, why do I need Jesus? Because we have this idea in the 21st century West that, that you follow Jesus and he makes your life better. Like if you're a train wreck, you need Jesus, but like, I'm pretty good. I don't need him. So to really help people understand on the front end that, you know, the, the classic preacher line, he didn't come to make bad people good. He came to bring dead people to life. And there's fullness that you're missing, and so if people give their life to Jesus, there, um, um they they discover uh, their purpose. You know, the assessments that are part of that. Um,
0: so good. But,
2: but really, for me, it's what Growth Track has done is it's really helped people discover. That's my favorite part about it: is discovering who they are, who God created them to be. Like, like if you're gonna be a soul-winning church, I think for me, it's got to go beyond just Wanting to see people saved, you have to want to release them into purpose.
0: Yeah. Like so that's,
2: good. that is the, the shift that I had to make. Um, cause if I'm honest, if you cut me open, you know, some people just like bleed evangelism and soul winning. Like I really, if, if in my natural self, I love sitting in a room with leaders, um, pastors, that's where we met was at an event like that Yeah, and, yep. and just encouraging leaders and and resourcing leaders. And so I had to I had to shift my mindset like I didn't just start out being a guy who wanted to see people come to Jesus. Yeah. Like so maybe you're listening, watching and you're like, yeah, that's awesome. Because like, you know, Kelly Stickle, super evangelist. That's just not me. Well, stop saying that.
0: That's so good. Start
2: praying that God would burden your heart to release people into purpose. Jesus looks at the Pharisees and he says, I'm taking the kingdom from you. And I'm giving it to people who will produce its fruit. And immediately after that, he tells a story about a man who goes and stands at the highway and starts inviting everybody in. Like literally, Jesus says, I am giving the kingdom. I'm taking it from you. Your theology is dialed. You dress right. But I'm taking it from you and giving it to people who will proclaim the gospel. And that wrecked me, dude. Like, But then the mindset shift I had to make was releasing people into purpose. Like I am passionate about Connecting people and helping them discover and develop their God given, God breathed, the grace on their life, the gifts that He's put in them. And in order to do that, I have to introduce them to Jesus first. Yeah, yeah. So, like, so my passion, if I'm honest, isn't even really introducing people to Jesus. And I know that sounds bad, but I'm just being as honest as I possibly can. Yeah, no, this is great. It's releasing them into their kingdom purpose. I'm so glad when they meet Jesus, but I don't want them to stop there. I yeah. don't just want to. You know, gather a crowd and have, you know, nice worship and your Instagram looks cool. Like God's not impressed by our Instagram. Like use it, go for it. It's great. But God's not like, you know, double tapping your post and is like celebrating in heaven. Like it's, we have to get passionate about releasing people into purpose. And so for us, the easiest way that we have found to do that on a, on a scalable level is through growth track where they're discovering, they're taking spiritual gifts assessments. Um, they're like, I can't sing and I, I don't like public speaking, so God can't use me. And we're like, no, 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 no. Like, God made you unique and specific to release you into ministry, in your world, in your family, in the marketplace.
0: So good. Man, I'm so, I'm so glad you said that because I think a lot of times a, a lot of uh, leaders and pastors think, well, if it, in order for my church to win souls, I have to be an evangelist you know, like so-and-so, but, but I mean, Paul said to Timothy, Pastor Timothy, he says, right. He didn't say be an evangelist. He said, do the work of an evangelist. So I think that's the role of the church, regardless of our gifts. I'm so glad you, I'm so glad you said that because it's not just evangelists that win souls, not supposed to be just the evangelists that win souls. So I love that. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. That's awesome. One of your core values as a church, I mean, let's, let's build off of that. So one of your core values is to look for lonely people. I mean, this is, this is part of finding that purpose and that passion that just came out of you like in finding that purpose. But, but I, I love that. So you're actually intentionally looking for hurting people, intentionally looking for lonely people. Talk to me about that. How does that look in everyday life of the church?
2: That's a great question. That's actually the first, the first of our values um, on purpose. The first of our four family values yeah. is we look for lonely people. Um, because to me, loneliness is more than like an awkward social feeling. It's like loneliness leads to actions that we wouldn't, we wouldn't normally do, thoughts we wouldn't normally have because we just so desperately desire to be alone. And one of the um, debilitating things I think about our culture is this phenomenon sociologists are calling alone together. Yeah. Like we are, we are more connected than ever, yet we're lonelier than ever. And what science has not figured out how to do and what no app can do is to give you belonging. Um, We, we have apps to organize our schedules, but what science cannot figure out is how to let you be alone and still like feel like a part of something. Right. And so to me, it's not even looking for hurting people so much as it's like, find a lonely person and let them know that they're seen,
0: Mm. that
2: you are valued, that you are loved. You are known. You know, when in the story of Hagar and Ishmael, she she calls God El Roy, and and she, and that means the God who sees. Yeah. And she had been, you know, put out of her home. Single mom has to now go provide out in the wilderness for her son, and she thinks she's gonna die. And God provides, and she calls him the God who sees. Mm. And she could have called him anything: the God who provides, the God who saves me. She said, the God who sees. And I think in in our culture, that is such an important aspect of the character of God that we can reveal to people is he sees you and he knows you and he values you at your job. You're just another number on a spreadsheet. You're just an employee. Like you don't matter to the, you're just a cog in the machine, but in God's great church and in his kingdom, you are seen and you are known and you can belong. And so that's one of the first things I, I I mean, it is the first thing that we try and teach people when they're learning how to fish for people is just look for a lonely person. Wow. Just find somebody who's by themselves, you know, high school students, somebody that's sitting on their own at the lunch table, just sit next to them. Not because they're a project, but just value them as a human. Let them know that they're seen. you, you have no idea you could have stopped a suicide. Somebody's going to pull that trigger that night because nobody saw them. But you saw them and God sent you. So I'm not an evangelist. Well, can you see someone yeah. and value them? Bam, evangelism. Yeah. there you go.
0: So good. You don't have to look very far at all today to find a lonely person, man. You're so right. A lot of people are, they're connected online or they're connected on social media, but lonelier than ever. So that is so good. That's so good. And teaching, teaching the church, right? To look for lonely people, kind of putting a focus on that saying, man, God sees you but man, see, you've got God in you. See, see people and for where they are too, man. That's so good. Man. I also love you. You have a team value that I, I man, I I love it's sweat the small stuff. So yeah. how does, how does sweating the small stuff and and excellence affect your ability to reach the lonely and, and the hurting and, and the lost? I love that question so much.
2: Um, yeah, our, it's our fourth team value. We sweat the small stuff. Mm. Um, because to us, details communicate value. And so we are, we are going to prove to our city that we value them by meticulously executing in the small things.
0: So like good. no
2: thing is too small. Um, you know, like let's say you're at Connections and like all of your pens are, are the same way. They're facing the same direction. And like you might be like, that's stupid. It's a pen. But to somebody who's like who's like a meticulous, like detail-oriented person, they're gonna walk by and they're gonna see that table and go, somebody thought about that. Yeah. Like to us, excellence is our evangelism. Like we we want to prove to the world that Christians are not just a bunch of pie in the sky, head in the clouds kind of people, that we have our feet firmly grounded in reality. It's not We, we believe in God because we're totally detached from reality. Like this stuff matters. Yeah. And, and, and we want people to know that we, we maybe, I haven't met you before, but I was thinking about you and I was praying for you and I knew somebody like you was going to show up. Yeah. Um, so sweating the small stuff, it's actually the newest of our team values. It's only been codified for us probably the last six months. Okay. Um, But what it does, like, I love the question, the way you phrased it, Um, you know, how do you balance that with like reaching, hurting, lost people who maybe aren't all dialed and put together? Yeah. Well, flashback, none of us are dialed and all put together, but there's something about executing those things that puts a deeper value for people. This is what we've found, a deeper value for people and and, and a deeper appreciation for God's house. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 6 that our work
0: Mm. as
2: Christians will be validated or not in the details. Wow. Like that's the way the message says it. I love it. I love that. It It doesn't say your worth. Not your worth is validated in the details. Your work is validated in the details. Right before that, he says, he's telling the Corinthian church, he's kind of like salty. And he's like, would you please stop showing up late and throwing question marks over all of the work that we're doing? because you're putting barriers to people coming to Jesus. Yeah. He's like, will you just get on board and just remember that our work as Christians is validated or not in the details? Wow. And and like I just want people to to see that we have thought about them that that they were in our hearts and in our minds when it comes to our weekend. Um and so we work really 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 hard um to execute the small things, execute in the details. Um
0: and that is so good. That's you're speaking my language now. I love it. Uh, what what I think what's interesting is there's a lot of pastors and leaders that when you go into in churches and whether whatever size the church is, some of the the small churches, they get this idea yeah. that well we can just put anyone on stage and we can just get any you know print any kind of bolt and we can do any kind of any kind of things. We don't have to really care about the facility as much in there and, and all of those details. And, you know, I mean, you know, I'm planting a church when the facility's not your own uh, and things like that. There's a lot of work that goes into sweating the small stuff to make it work, but that Damn. stuff makes a big, 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 big difference. Uh-huh. Um, and, and not, not just to the church people, church people will put up with anything, yeah. but, <laughs> but yeah. it's, it's, it's those, it's the visitors coming in. And, and if we don't think that sweating the small stuff is a biblical thing, man, God was so detailed uh, in the Old Testament, down to the color of thread, yes. right? That that they would use in the in the tabernacle. So, man, that is so so good. And so, I mean, what does it communicate in, in your opinion? So, if someone comes in and they see pens are all aligned. I mean, and it communicates. Okay, these guys thought about this stuff. What does it? Yeah. What does it do? I mean, just in their in their mindset, do you think when they're when they're coming in? Are, are, do you feel that they're more receptive now to to hearing the message? Because, man, the the, the bathrooms are clean. Uh, the the everything is aligned and straight. Like it it looks like, man, they cared for me. Do you think? I mean, do you think they're more receptive?
2: One hundred percent. Like I think something you said was so true that like church people, people who love God's church, they'll put up with a lot of stuff. Yeah. They because they're there for the message. They're there to worship God. They're there to to have communion with their brothers and sisters and, and to see them and catch up and see how the week went. That's fine. If you want a church that's only for Christians, then put whoever you want on stage. Make your room smell whatever you want it to smell like. Our building smells the same all through the building, every room. It's like it's scent branding. Yeah. You know, if you, if you closed your eyes and you walked into our building, you would know where you were. And all of that is on purpose, Wow, because what we forget is is we'll say things like, "Oh Paul told us not to compare ourselves amongst ourselves." we say that when we're feeling bad about our attendance
0: right, really? okay.
2: but what we do is we think the way we act is that other churches are our competition mm. which think about it. other churches are your competition. you know what your competition is Nordstrom yeah. That's people's context for excellence. Yes. You can bet that when you walk into Nordstrom, you don't have janky bathrooms. Yeah. Like, like there are, there are plenty of churches and I don't want this to sound arrogant. There are plenty of churches that don't care about that. And they have all kinds of reasons for it. Praise God. Live your life, bro. Stay in your lane. Do what God called you to do. But there are plenty of people who will not come back to those churches. Where are the churches that are going to reach CEOs? Where are the churches that are going to reach high capacity people in government who it really matters to them. If the bathroom is clean and you can say guys that
0: own nine businesses. (laughs)
2: Yeah, You can be hipster deconstructionist guy, all you want, like none of that should matter. It's about Jesus. And I agree with you to you and I, as people who follow Jesus, it is all about Jesus to people who don't know him. They don't care. Yeah. But if I can capture their attention and they can go, that bathroom was clean, that stage looked nice, those people presented themselves well, they see themselves around, they just might come back. That's why we say excellence is our evangelism. Yes, We know that the bathroom or the lights, none of that ever saved anybody. Only Jesus can do that. The, the Holy Spirit drawing them to the Father through the Son is the only thing that can do that. But if I can keep their attention long enough to keep them around the gathering of God's people, then the Holy Spirit can continue to do his work in a a place where they are aware of God's presence. And if it takes a clean bathroom and pens that are lined up to do it, that's our evangelism. Excellence is going to be our
0: evangelism Wow, so what advice would you give to a, to a pastor who's listening to this and saying okay I, I yeah how do I communicate that more effectively to my team I get it yeah. I want it how, how do you communicate that to your team uh, you know and, and give them that passion that you have obviously for that how do you how do you tell your team man we let's sweat the small stuff let's get in let's get in here yeah. let's worry about the details um well,
2: it has to start with you. Mm. It really does. Um, people, you've heard it said: people aren't going to do what you say; they're going to do what you do. And we've all had bosses and followed people who would come into a staff meeting and say, rah, rah, "We're going to do this," and they leave the room, and the team's like, "Okay, that's awesome. He said that, but nothing's going to change yeah. you know, whatever." So it's, it has to start with you. And and I would honestly challenge you to just pray. Mm. and say, God, I want you to give me a heart for details. Like part of what I love in Philippians 2 is after he right, tells us about our salvation, work out our own salvation through fear and trembling. Yep. The very next verse is he says, never forgetting that it's God who gives you the ability to will and to do the things that give him good pleasure. So not only does God give us the power to do it, he gives us the power to want it. Right. Like, I can't tell you how many times I've prayed in in my ministry. God, help me want to want it. Because if I'm honest, there, I mean, let's be honest, pastors. There have been so many times in my walk with God and even pastoring church, where I don't want to read my Bible every day. Yeah. I don't want to. I'll preach it, but then it's like, eh, I would rather be something else. So I have to pray. And until that became a discipline in my life, I had, I just started praying, God, help me want to want. That's
0: a great prayer. <laughs>
2: help me want to want to be in your presence. Cause God, honestly, I don't want to, I would rather sit at Starbucks and read the New York Times. And I know that I need to be in your presence. So help me want to want that. So if you're like, how do I get this in? It's got to start with you and just start with the prayer. God, help me want to sweat the small stuff. Cause if I'm honest, I really don't care. Yeah. But in my head, I believe it's important. So help me want to want it. And as it becomes a part of your life, then you can hold the people on your team accountable. Otherwise, if you're trying to hold people accountable to a standard you don't believe in, you feel like a fraud. You There will be no consistency, mm. no accountability. People won't trust you. It'll just be another initiative that you heard on a podcast and you started it because it worked at another church. And, and you just lose credibility with your team. So it's got to start in... And that place of prayer of God, help me want to want this.
0: Yeah. That's so good, man. This has been gold, man. Thanks so much. Is, is there anything I should have asked you, but haven't yet? Oh man. <laughs> so many things of it. One thing that comes to mind.
2: You, uh, the only things I know are what you asked me. You asked just perfect questions. Um, <laughs> I don't have much else other than uh, thank you so much for doing this podcast, man. It's, I told you before we jumped on and started recording that I, I, I think every church needs to be better at this. And I desire for us to be a better mm. soul winning church. Um, you know, I'm, I am not satisfied. I am, I am thankful for what God has done, but I'm not satisfied being nine years in looking around going, I feel like we should be so much for I feel like we should be reaching more people. And so maybe that's how you feel. Maybe you're watching this listening to it and you feel like gosh I just feel like we should be further along welcome to the club man yeah. you're not alone so many other people feel like that um, don't let it get you down um, let it propel you to get to work yeah um, so thank you thank you for doing this I'm, I'm looking forward to all of the future episodes
0: yeah well, thanks for thanks for coming and joining us it's been it's been absolute gold where can our listeners connect with you online Instagram Twitter it, it, What? where can they connect with you yeah
2: um, Instagram is really the only platform I'm active on. Um, it's at Joshua Dingle, Bingle, B I N G L E. Um, Facebook, I have an account, but I just, I'm, I'm never on yeah, Twitter. Yeah. I don't understand Twitter. It feels like an argument thing. So <laughs> I'm, I know that it's a great platform and I should be using it. So don't have me on the podcast where you talk about how to use social media ministry because I'm not. A-
0: okay. All right. But we can find you on Instagram yeah. at Joshua bingle and find out everything that's going on follow you i follow you on instagram i love it so it's it's awesome to see what's going on man thanks so much for doing this man this was this has been awesome
2: yeah thanks for having me so fun
0: yeah appreciate you What a great conversation with my friend Joshua Bingle yes. and wet, so much stuff in there. What was your big takeaway? That guy's got a lot of energy and it's <laughs> yes, so good to does. feed off of. But he yeah. had
1: two main main points that I wanted to point out, one of them was uh, fear is more harmful than failure. So actually being too fearful to do it rather than fearing the outcomes of what may happen wow, is so more good, harmful. Yeah. And then yeah, the other so one good. was uh, he said, stop saying it's not me. So. In times where we think that God is calling us to do something, stop excluding us from the picture and, and just know that that's maybe a moment where God is calling you to do it.
0: Yeah, that's really good. Uh, again, like we said at the beginning, I think the thing that stood up to me is the whole idea that excellence is our evangelism. Yes. and. I know we talk about excellence. I love talking about excellence and we talk about it often, but he just, the way that he phrased it and worded it, it was inspiring mm-hmm. and gave the why behind it, which I absolutely love. So thank you so much for joining us. How can people join Go Team and be a part of moving this mission forward to lead soul-winning churches?
1: Absolutely. We'd so love it if you would go to iTunes and rate and review these podcasts and, and just allow us to get the word out there more about these soul this soul-winning uh, network.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And join us on social media as well. We are on. We have a Facebook group. You can also join us on Instagram, as well as we have a YouTube channel. So check us out there. And next episode, I have a conversation with my friend, Pastor Daniel Gregory from Lehigh, Florida. Here's an excerpt.
2: And I think the reality is that a lot of Christians are just, uh, we're content in complacency. And when we see somebody else that is doing what we need to be doing, we know that that's going to require a sacrifice of us to get there. We're going to have to sacrifice our time. We're going to have to sacrifice our, our comfort. We're going to have to sacrifice the demographics of our church. And we're going to have to give up our seat that we've been sitting in for 25 years. <laughs> and I don't want to do that because I like my seat and I like the people that I've gone to church with. And people don't like change.
0: All right. Don't miss next episode with Pastor Daniel Gregory. It's going to be an amazing conversation. I know it's going to inspire you. Thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you next time.
1: Thank you for joining us for this episode of GoCast. We hope you feel inspired and better equipped to take your community for Christ. Make sure to subscribe to receive each new episode as it's released. Let's go and break
2: the stat together.